Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of MMA. And today, two very. Oh, I, I got <laughs> This time, we actually do have the voices of MMA. I we, thought we, we I was going to say we have the fists of M uh, MMA, the real deal here. I'm joined as always by the legend Teddy Atlas and today's special guest, the bad guy himself, Chill Sonnen. And what we say, call Anthony one of the nicest guys in the sport, Anthony Smith. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. It's great to meet you guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. And for once, we really do have the voices of the MMA instead of just jesting a little bit <laughs> with me. But. I'm so glad you guys are here. I was just working with you, obviously. I'm still in Vegas. You guys got back home. Finally, our audience can actually get a breakdown of an MMA fight, a UFC fight to be exact, by real experts, <laughs> by, by guys that actually know uh, the in and outs of the whole universe of this sport, not just the striking part. Let me start before I... Chuck it to you guys. Let me start by giving my backdrop of what I expected. And again, I worked ESPN with you guys over the weekend. Uh, what I expected going in to a fight where Masvidal was a three to one underdog. And full disclosure, full, full you know, transparency as always, uh, because honesty is obviously important if you want an audience to pay attention to your week in and week out. I picked Masvidal. I thought it was, uh, I thought you were getting a good number at three to one. And I, I reminded myself that you should never go by the odds. Either the guy's better or he's not. <laughs> the, the odds should never influence you to say, I'm going to make a play over here. You know, because one of our sponsors is my bookie. So we try to give the audience some kind of idea. And uh, and then, of course, sometimes I think maybe the audience has a little too much money. So, I, you know, I, I give them my idea so we can <laughs> cipher some of that off for tax purposes, of course. But I, I'm, not, I'm not blaming it on the three to one that edged me that way. I actually thought that Masvidal being in a position, obviously he was coming off of that devastating loss. I thought that for his legacy, for his pride, and, and listen, he fought with pride and everything. And I'm not at all suggesting he didn't. But I just thought that for redemption purposes, that he would be at his best, if he could still be at his best at 37, quite frankly. And I thought that he'd have a chance to control the geography of the ring, geography of the, of the octagon, of the cage. On the outside, not allowing this great, great wrestler, uh, you know, great grappler, Covington, get to his legs, make the shoot, uh, maybe even do a little of that creative stuff that he did with Askren. Uh, although big difference, Askren was not near the striker that Covington is. All right, I get it. But I thought maybe Covington would make a mistake. He could get him to, you know, go for a, a, a little bit of uh, maybe a trap, get him to reach a little bit, catch him with an uppercut, catch him maybe with another flying knee like he did Askren. Uh, 
But the most important thing was I thought that he could get a playing field, he being Masvidal, that allowed him to strike more than get taken down. And I thought that his ace in the hole, his trump card, Masvidal again, was that he was very good at escaping takedowns or surviving takedowns. Very good. And he proved to be. The only thing, he didn't escape them so much. He survived them. And I didn't register in how much energy it would take him out to survive. So again, I thought that he might get a playing field where he could use the jab, use his legs a little bit, control the outside, uh, strike more than survive, and have a chance to pull it off. I was so wrong. And here's the question to open up to you guys. Was I wrong because Covington was underrated as a striker? That I shouldn't, I should have recognized how good a striker, or did I overrate Masvidal as a striker? I mean, what happened? We'll start with Chael, and then we'll go to Anthony. Okay, it gets a little bit tricky. If you were to assess Colby Covington and uh, Jorge Masvidal prior to the fight, and you came to the conclusion that Masvidal is the better of the two fighters, I think you came to the right conclusion. Masvidal has more experience. He has a better understanding. We do martial arts a lot of times under a belt system. Masvidal would be an absolute black belt, and Colby would be closer to Brown in terms of knowledge and mastering certain techniques. But it's the intangibles, guys. It's the pace. It's the volume. Colby's not doing everything right, but boy, he's doing six to one. George has one beautiful jab. He's cross blocking the shoulders. Everything's right. Colby's throwing a four. That's a big mess, but the best defense is a good offense. So when you talk about taking George off the field or taking his tools off, it wasn't just the wrestling. It was just Colby being in his face. Colby coming across the ring. Colby throwing things at him, making George react. If George is reacting, he's not coming forward. That's what Colby does so well to everybody. That is the intangible. There's only four or five guys in our sport. We all try to weaponize pace. We all try to work harder than the next guy so we can get him tired and break him mentally. But only four or five guys truly have mastered that. Colby happens to be in that elite few. It's a volume issue. It's a pressure issue. It doesn't come down to who the better fighter is. If I could leave you with with one final thing, both guys seem to do what they said they were going to do. Going into this fight, Colby was very clear in every interview to say, I'm going to beat George Masvidal. Masvidal never said that once. Masvidal was very clear in saying, I'm going to hit Colby. I'm going to stand up to Colby. I'm going to make him answer for his words. He never talked about the fact that ultimately this could go to the judges and this will be contested under the unified rules of 10-9. I think both guys did what they set out to do. Anthony. Yeah, so I was with you, Teddy. I chose, I chose Masvidal as well, um, and I did so thinking that he he was familiar with what Colby was going to bring, that he remembered what that felt like, that pressure, that pace, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that, I don't know, that top game that Colby brings. I, I expected that Masvidal remembered what that was like and that his confidence came from his ability to get back to his feet and, and throw those punches. He, he didn't deny the fact that he was going to get taken down. He never once said that Colby couldn't wrestle. He didn't say that he had to be. He, he actually went as far as to to compliment him on his, his athletic abilities at times. And, and, and then on the other hand, talk about him personally. But uh, I think what happened was, is he got in there and it was harder to get up than he thought it was going to be. That completely changed his striking from that moment on. Uh, he spent the majority of the first round getting dominated on the ground. I think it took a lot out of his gas tank and it was much harder to get back to his feet than he expected which changed how he, how he was going to strike from that moment forward. Wrestling is a, it, it's such an anomaly when it comes to, to, 
to combat sports. It's the only, in my opinion, it's the only discipline that changes everything else as well. If I'm fighting a, a good striker, that's not going to necessarily always affect how I approach that person uh, in other aspects of the game. But no matter what style you bring, if you're against a dominant wrestler, that's going to change every single thing you do. And I think Masvidal talked about it uh, post-fight that once he wasn't able to get up, he was a little tired. Even when he had him hurt in the second and the fourth round, he didn't even want to pounce on him and try to finish him. You only have about five or six seconds once you get someone hurt and they pop back to their feet to, to try to let that killer instinct kick in and get a finish. And Masvidal didn't even want to do that because he was expecting another takedown attempt. Well, Colby Covington being the, you know, being the, the kind of gangster mentality that he has, he just kept, he just punched right back. He got back to his feet and started striking which was open because Masvidal is expecting the takedown. So, you know, I think Colby Covington kind of mentally dominated him as, as well as physically. Did part of his, uh, that's a great point. Did part of his mental domination come from the fact that the one area that Masvidal thought that he could dominate, that he could win, that could be, you know, he could master was the striking. And when that didn't turn to be, did that mentally discourage him? Because if, if I can't win striking, I can't win. You know, I mean, he, he understood that. So he knows he's not out wrestling a guy. So once that happened, that he could, let's say, be on par. And, and Jail made a great point. He's not a better striker. But the appearance almost looked like he was as good a striker because of the pressure. Because he didn't allow Masvidal to strike to the level that he normally could or we thought he could, or we thought he had to, to win this fight. So did that itself, just that he couldn't dominate in the striking, drain him mentally, say, I'm, I'm, up, I'm up a creek with no, bat, with no paddle. Did that happen? Oh, yeah. Well, one, one thing that happened, and don't forget, because these guys knew each other so well. I watched them work out. You're not supposed to talk about what happened in the practice room, but it was so even. I feel like I can break that rule. All that happened when I saw him work out, this is five years ago, but Colby Covington got on top of George more times than George got on top of Colby. But psychologically, George is now worried about one position. And, fellas, we've seen great strikers come into our sport, a whole other class of striker, world champions uh, in kickboxing that will get knocked out by a non-striker in the very first round of a completely stand-up fight. The reason for that is it's not because it's who's better. It's because one guy, the striker, is worried. He's worried about the takedown. So he's thinking, the guy comes in, i got to drop my hands. i got to drop my hands instead of I've got to throw my hands. We see it all the time where the better striker will lose striking exchanges if the threat of the takedown exists and if he's scared of the threat. I mean, it's one of the arts of war. You must make your enemy believe you have a weapon greater than he can deal with with. And two, you must make your enemy believe you're not afraid to use that weapon. And that is what Colby did within the first minute. He came off, he pressured him, he went for that takedown. He didn't even get it. But now all of his strikes are a little bit easier setting up those takedowns for future in the fight. And that, that Listen, that rings true. And it almost rings brilliant, to be quite honest. Um, Anthony, what's your feeling? Yeah, you know, I think if you were to ask uh, Masvidal today, who won the striking exchanges, I would imagine he'd probably tell you that he thinks that he did. Uh, but I think if you take anyone else that looked at that from the outside, I think he absolutely got outstruck, and I bet the numbers aren't even close. Um, but in his mind, he's just, <clears throat> excuse me, 
He's just absorbing damage. He's absor- He's taking those punches, ex- expecting a takedown. That's all he, he's worried about. I'm not sure if Masvidal ever was really in a striking exchange. It was just he was either throwing punches or he was defending punches waiting on a takedown. And a lot of times those takedown attempts didn't come. So he's, he's looking to counter. He's, he's talking, you know, he's thinking about throwing knees. He's looking for uppercuts, but he's not really doing anything. He's, he's taking six or seven. Then Colby is hitting an angle and getting off and doing it again. Um, so I, I, I don't know if Masvidal ever really fit. I, I don't know if he ever actually was in the striking at all. I think he was either defending takedowns or defending punches. I, I know that he did land a couple of those big shots, but uh, I, I think once he was, I think once we were in the second round, I think Masvidal probably knew that there was probably no way he was going to finish Colby Covington after that. Let me ask you this. In my opinion, that's re- coming off piggybacking from what you and Shale just said, I think there was a turning point in the first round. And I'll tell you where. Do you guys remember that spot in the first round? Now, again, we understood that if he's going to win, he'd be in Masvidal. He's got to stay on the outside. He's got to stay on his feet. He can't get taken to the mat too often. And he's got to use his legs, his jab. He's got to use right hands, maybe set up traps. He's got to do all that stuff. And he's got to keep separation. That's the main thing. He went straight back. It's one of the technical things you don't do in my sport. You don't go straight back with a guy because especially if he's aggressive because you're still on the track to get hit. It's like I used to always say if you're trying to get away from a train you don't run backwards on the track. You get off the track because the train's going to get you. It's going to get you maybe uh, 20 yards deeper but it's going to get you. He went straight back Masvidal and he got caught because Covington followed him. He was still in front of him. He was still in the middle, and he hit him. I thought right there, for me, wow, this has changed. Because he's trying to strike, trying to do what he thought was the right thing, use his legs, keep separation, and, of course, set up offense. And it didn't work. He didn't realize he was doing something technically wrong. I get it. But he was. I thought right there, psychologically, the fight turned, and physically and technically, right there, the fight turned. What do you guys think about that? It's a tough decision because, again, you cannot go straight back, particularly in a cage. You're going to get stopped at some point. Once you're pinned there, you don't have anywhere to go, and the wrestler is going to attack you. The other side of that coin, a wrestler needs somebody that comes forward. In the sport of wrestling, by example, it is illegal to back up. You must be going forward. So if you want to go backwards to shut the wrestler down, you got to go in a circle. Sugar Ray Robinson style, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather style. You can, you can go back, but it's got to be a circle so your back doesn't ever hit the fence. That was the mistake that Masvidal made. I think it was pretty calculated to go back knowing he's not going to pressure the wrestler. The other side of it, to your point, that if you go straight back, that fence is going to stop you. Now you've got nowhere to go. Now you're a sitting target for anything the guy wants to do to you. And that did appear to happen to Masvidal. I will tell you guys this. It seems to me, historically speaking, when two guys know each other, they were forming sparring partners and they came through the golden gloves together, something like this, no matter how long ago it was, the mask is off. The allure and the fear is gone. They, they're now a little bit more familiar, but that familiarity seems to flip a defensive switch. It's just, Tom Brady, it's an all sports. Tom Brady leaves the Patriots. He goes to the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers return to New England. Well, Tom Brady thinks, I know what they're going to do. And the Patriots think, we know what Tom's going to do, but that's defensively 
This sport is measured in offense. Do you see something? Not just can you block it. Do you see where to attack him? And so many times I see these guys that know one another, and that's defensive measures. And I felt as though between the two, I thought they were both a little tentative at first, but over the duration of the evening, Masvidal stayed in defensive mode. He stayed in, I can survive this. I know what's next. I can take less damage. Whereas Colby said, no, I got to hurt you if I want to impress the judges. You know, listen, to, to Chael's point, one of the first things that Chael said sitting right next to me as soon as that fight started was Colby can't fight like that. He was a little bit slower. He, his output wasn't high at all. Uh, but Colby was able to adjust to that. And, and the second that Masvidal willingly gave up the center of the octagon was a huge tell to me. Uh, in, in the UFC, particularly, if you can control the center, you got a pretty good chance no matter who you are. That's the, my coach will scream and holler for me to control the center. But some of it's an ego thing. Some of it's uh, I'm going sti- to stick my foot in that fire and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking it out at all. Masvidal, will, he, he willingly gave up that distance and that space. I don't know if it maybe he thought he could use the fence to hold him up and, and, and aid in his takedown defense. Uh, but anybody that's ever watched the Colby Covington fight knows you have got to stay off the fence because if he gets you there, he's absolutely not going to let you off the fence. So uh, I thought that that was a big tell. I, I do remember thinking if he's given, if he's going to give it up that easy, uh, it's going to be a long night for him. Hey guys, want to take a quick pause to give a thank you to today's sponsor, Athletic Greens, the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. I love Athletic Greens. I take it every single day, no matter what. I travel with it. I never, ever go a day without taking this stuff. These guys spent 10 years with the top nutritionists and doctors to create this formula. It's made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. Consider it like an insurance policy for your body's health and immunity. This is all you need to stay on top of your immunity with 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. There's no need for multivitamins or anything else you might be taking. Athletic Greens has given our listeners 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. So whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, Athletic Greens is the way to go. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash atlas to claim the special offer of 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, athleticgreens.com slash atlas. Today's episode is also sponsored by my bookie. March is here, and that means March Madness. It's time to score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Predict the winners in each round of the my bookie bracket contest for a chance to win things like Bitcoin and even $100,000 plus in cash prizes. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props, my bookie has you covered. Sign up today with my bookie and use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, to make your first deposit, earning a free entry into the My Bracket contest. Selections for the bracket will officially begin on March 13th and close on March 17th at 12 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you get your deposit in now with using the promo code ATLAS to secure that free entry. My bookie, check them out. One more thing before I give it to my partner, Ken to have at you guys, as we like to say in combat sports, um, the emotional part. What happened? Because everyone thought, I know it was promotion, I know it was this, but some of it was real. And with all the supposed hatred and, you know, we were going to see two guys going crazy to get at each other, and we were going to see mistakes because they were going crazy to get at each other. And I remember being asked the question 
while we were out here together about that. And I said, for me, in my business, from my experience, you're not going to see that. That's for amateurs. That's not for professionals. You're going to see cold, calculated guys doing what they think they got to do. Their emotions are not going to get in the way. They're not going to go ballistic. They're not going to suddenly become amateurs where they're trying to kill each other and they leave themselves to expose. I didn't see any proof of their emotions overflowing and interrupting their performance. Chell. Okay. So uh, analysts like us, guys, we always tell the audience who's got the pressure. We try to decide who's got more pressure. We don't do a great job of explaining to the audience why that matters. Pre pressure creates a stress, which creates a chemical, which goes through your body and creates a fatigue. So if you're on fight night, we'll call it controlling emotions. We'll talk about pressure. The bottom line is whoever can care less than the opponent has the advantage. And that's true in all relationships. That's true in my romantic relationship with my wife. I like her more than she likes me. That gives her the power. So I do certain things and I behave in certain ways because she's got this control over me, but it really is true. Whoever in any relationship, including business or sports in this case, can care less. I'm not saying be careless. I'm saying if you can care less on fight night, that can be a very helpful thing. And it did look like I came through college, Teddy, where we had to have wrestle-offs within the room. Well, I had to wrestle off with my current roommate, not a former roommate like these two were the guy that I rode to the match with and I've got to compete. I got to ride back home and then we're going to have dinner and study together. That's just the way it was. And three other guys on my team also lived with guys within their own weight class. There's nobody you want to lose to more. There's nobody you want to lose to more than a friend, to a brother, to a cousin, to a relative. Those guys that you know well, you'll, you'll, you'll wish them well. There won't be ill wishes. But, boy, competitively, you want those. Yeah, you know, it, after the fight, Masvidal talked a lot about he was flat. He was flat in the wrestling. Something I did last night and a little bit this morning, I went back. Now that I watched the fight, we've we seen what happened. Now I, so I went back and I started watching their interviews again and I watched their interactions in the media and I watched kind of how they were dealing with it before the fight happened. I sat up there on, e, on ESPN and said, I thought everyone was handling it pretty well that I did, that I seemed like maybe Masvidal was letting it spill over a little bit. Like he was having a hard time keeping it together. And I believe that even more so now uh, he was just different. He didn't look like he was having as much fun. Uh, he, he looked like he, his fuse was just really close to exploding, but he was trying to control it. So maybe he went a little bit the opposite direction, trying to calm his nerves. Try, and, and I don't think Masvidal was afraid of Colby Covington. I don't think Jorge was nervous. I, I think that deep down he knew there was a, a, a low chance that he gets this win without a spectacular finish and, and it has to be early. So watching it, I think it did have more of an effect, but I think it's more to Chael's point. I think it's stress and, and fatigue. And, and I think a lot of that is mental and emotional. He was dealing with a lot. Colby said a lot of really negative things about him. He, he hit him really close to home. A lot of personal stuff that, that I think is, is way across the line for most fighters. And, and I think it affected him. I really do. I think he got in there and I think he was emotionally and, and just mentally exhausted. Uh, and I, I would say, I would say though, I bet today as bad as it, that loss feels as embarrassed as he probably is, there's gotta be some kind of relief that it's over. That's a, that's an excellent point. Both of you. I mean, that would explain it to the audience better than I think most people would be able to have the ability to come up with what happened. And now wait, let me just lie. I don't lie, but let me lie for one second and hold Ken off for one second, just off of what you just said, Anthony, for both of you. Did he blow it 
in the fourth round, he had that one opportunity. He landed the right hand. Wasn't a straight one. It was a little bit of a crooked one, a little bit of a loop, which might have made it more effective because it came from an angle that peripherally he couldn't see it, where it it might have caught him where it was a blind punch that does a lot of damage. And we know Covington has a great chin, but he got hurt. He got buckled. Did, was that his one opportunity in his mind, psychologically, physically, technically, everything, that I caught him? That's it. Did he blow it right there? Because, I mean, that was what he wanted. You just said it. And perfectly. He wanted to smash him. Chael said that. He wanted to hurt him. He hurt him. But there was no follow-up. I don't remember how much time was left, to be honest. But there was time for maybe a couple punches. Did he blow it right there? He did. That was the hope spot of the match if you're Team Osbrell. Now, George went to the post-fight press conference. He talked about that, and he said, I expected Colby to shoot. That's why I didn't follow up. Now, like most fighters after a fight, they attempt to rewrite history. Here's what actually happened. George was exhausted. Part two to that is George did not know how hurt Colby was. Colby was stumbling for 26 seconds. I kept track and never recovered till the round ended and he had that full minute's rest and came out there. That's when he had his legs back. So conjunction of two things, not knowing how hurt he was and not having energy is what Masvidal did. The math in Masvidal's head, the equation looked like this. I've hurt him. I can empty my gas tank, whatever I have left, and there's seven minutes left to fight and going after him. Or I can leave him back there and I can catch a couple of good breaths before he comes at me. He elected to keep the distance, catch the good breath so he could do more later. That's what really happened in that moment. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with Shell. I think if you're Team Masvidal, I think they spent the last six or seven weeks preparing and waiting for that one moment. And I think when it came, uh, listen, I, I think a lot of fighters will lie to you uh, if you ask them this question, but I, I feel like I owe it to everyone to be very honest. There's a lot of times you get very, very deep into a fight and sometimes you end up in a situation like that and you're too tired to give a damn. You're, you're just too tired to care. If the option is I can push and maybe I get a finish or like Chill said, maybe I can conserve a little bit of energy. Maybe I can do it again later. The chances of that are very low and they know that they'll usually choose to take a break and they'll wait until later on because it's too goddamn hard sometimes to push. And sometimes it's just not that important to you anymore. Ken. Chell, you were one of the first guys in the UFC that I saw bring that uh, wrestling uh, bad guy or heel mentality to the UFC. You like pioneered it. And I see Colby following the same script, but he seems to get so personal and like vicious with his commentary. How much does that take out of him? Or is that how he deals with the nerves by just being as vicious as possible? And how hard is it for him to like not break that character? Great point for you. I mean, he is a professional and that he stays in character at all times. I've known Colby since he was 11 years old, and I'd love to tell you he's the nicest guy ever. No, he's not. But he is not (laughs) that guy. Okay, he is performing from bell to bell. He knows the audience paid. There is a big resentment. I've had it. I can remember one of the great fights. It was Lennox Lewis versus Mike Tyson. and They got in press conference fights and their licenses. They had to go before the commission and Mike Tyson was going to, I mean, all sorts of terrible stuff. The second that fight ends, Mike grabs the microphone. He says, I didn't mean any of it. I love this guy. and It was all promotion. I'm going, well, then give me my money back. I feel like that was fraud as a, I bought the fight because I believe this was real. And now you're telling me it's not. Give me my money back. 
Kobe didn't do that. He stayed in character the whole time through. I mean, he and Usman, there's a camaraderie when you fight. And you generally would hug it out afterwards. Kobe refused to accept that, said he wants to fight Usman a third time. Now you move into Masvidal. Whatever hatchet they had, this is how we decide to settle it. When it got settled, it settled nothing. And he, he turned it right on to the next guy, which happened to be Dustin Poirier. And you're right. He goes pretty far. And I, I am one of the guys that started. Even I, and I'm not a prude on this, but even I get uncomfortable sometimes. Kobe has no boundaries. <laughs> None. None. He's vicious. It's it's crazy to me. I I, I it it, t- it takes a lot of uh, uh, intestinal fortitude to stay in that character, doesn't it? I mean, just keep going. Oh, absolutely. You're right about that. And I I, I like that you're saying that because I hope the audience understands. The audience seems to hate Colby more and more. I don't want to bust a guy's gimmick, but what I would like the audience to understand is that he's performing for you. He doesn't get any more money for it. Before they fade to black and roll the credits, he will squeeze every bit of juice out of your two hours and your $50 pay-per-view buy. He's doing it for the audience to have somebody to boo, to have that negative energy. He's a performer and he's doing wonderful. You just exposed David Copperfield's (laughs) magic trick. How hard was it for you to stay in the character yourself? Like, how hard was it to be disliked by the crowd? Because I always liked you. I thought it was funny, but it is. I always wondered, like, everyone wants to be liked. How hard was it for you to stay in that character all the time? So a boo's a boo is a heel. The bad guys. A boo is the heels cheers. If you're getting the crowd to boo, you know that you're doing your job. But to answer your question directly, if you get good at doing media and you get good at getting emotion, your only reward is you get asked to do more media to invoke more emotion. So now all of a sudden, I mean, there's only so many hours in the day for me to script and pocket different one-liners that I can bring out. So now you're trying to outdo yourself, and that's where you stay in this nice little box and you're talking about this opponent. All of a sudden, it spills into family or it spills into wherever else that Colby went with it, but that's what happens. And he's a true performer. He's sticking what they call kayfabe. That's a vernacular within the industry, which is you stay in character at all times. I imagine it is pretty tough. I don't think he minds the being hated part, but it's very tough. I mean, even actors can't do it 24 seven. They go into work, they act and they go back to their regular lives. Colby is a true professional, at least in that regard. Yeah. From bad guy behavior to good, good guy behavior. Anthony, every time I see you and think about you, I think about the John Jones fight when he hit you with the knee when you were down. And I thought you had time to think about it after the fact, like as you're down and you're recovering and you know, if you say I can't go anymore, you're the champion, but you didn't. You did the right thing. But but at the same time, I hate the fact that you're put in the position where you've got to decide. He just need me in the head. I'm concussed. Now we're going to get up. I'm expected to just shake it off and keep fighting. I almost wish it was out of your control and that the ref would step in and be like, you know what? That was so severe. I'm not going to force this guy to make a decision. How? Talk to me about what at the time when it happened, were you thinking like, oh, shit, like I don't have a choice. I have to go now or else I'm going to be like like uh, Ster- um, Aljamain Sterling. He, he, he got the title from Jan, but he's like, People hate him for it. Yeah, listen, Ken, I, I never once had a decision, or at least I didn't think that I had a decision. From the time I was, I, I was never the wrestler that, that Chael is or Colby or, or any of the, the fantastic wrestlers that have come through the UFC, but I've been a wrestler most of my life. So from the time I was a little kid, my uncle, uh, you know, who, who's been around my entire life through every single, every, every single sport I've ever been involved in has always told me, get up off the floor. That's, that's all I thought about. It was, he hit me with a big knee and I just remember thinking, get your ass up off the floor. Like it's not about, am I okay? Can I continue? Uh, Was that illegal? I I wasn't even sure at the time if it was illegal. I just know that the referee said, stop. He pulled John away. I knew he wasn't stopping the fight because I wasn't, 
I wasn't going down. I'm still defending myself, but I, I've never once looked at that like I had a choice because in my mind, I, it, I couldn't sleep at night having to be having to, to say I can't do it. So I, I sleep just fine at night with that decision. I'm, I'm happy with it. I would make it a hundred times over again. Um, just, just for the simple fact that I, I would have had to have said it out loud and uh, I've never claimed that I'm the best it's ever been. I, I've never claimed that I'm the most technical skilled guy in any kind of discipline in fighting. Uh, but I, but I will absolutely stand on a, on a mountaintop and say, I'm one of the toughest goddamn guys on the planet. And, and I can't say that if I, if I was willing to look at John Jones and say, I, that was too hard. I can't do it. Yeah, I would say short of winning the title, that was as good an outcome as you could get from uh, for, other than winning. Like, I think you gained a lot of fans just to show the incredible character and integrity to get back up and go through it. Although I wish you hadn't had to weren't put in the position to do that. Well, listen, listen, a lot of guys say that uh, there's not a lot of us end up in situations where you get to prove it. It's really easy to say I do this or I would do that. But not a lot of times do you even get the opportunity uh, to show your character accidentally. So. Uh, I, I think, to be honest with you, I was lucky in that situation. I, I just happened to be in the situation to, to to prove what I've always said. Yeah. Congratulations. Awesome move. What's what's next for you, Anthony? You know, I don't know. I don't know. We're looking for a fight. Um, you know, I think the division's a little, uh, it's a little, I don't want to say stagnant, but everyone's booked around me. Um, <laughs> I've made it clear to the UFC. I'll go to heavyweight if they want me to. I, I, I just want to be active. I want to fight. Um, I don't do real well spinning my wheels. I, I, I get bored and and you know, uh, idle hands are not a good thing for me. So uh, I need to be active and, and that's what I'm looking for. So I'm just waiting on the UFC. I got a call with them today. So we'll see how that goes. Well, good luck. We're looking forward to seeing you back in there. Thank you. Thank you. You know, you guys, you touched on something. Uh, both of you, Chell, you really emphasized it about being a promoter. Obviously, it's about, you know, fighting and you're, expertise and your ability and leads to your legacy and how you, you know, the pride that you have, um, your accomplishments, but it's also about money. And he, Covington, has he now gone to the level of uh, legitimately of a McGregor type guy now where when McGregor was at his best, he was a tremendous striker, southpaw, uh, really good puncher with the left hand, but he set traps really. He was really a good counterpuncher. From, again, from my eyeballs in my sport, he was really a good counterpuncher. But he needed a little help. He needed a little co cooperation. When he fought, we always say in, in my sport, styles make fights. I, I think it's similar in your sport. Um, when he got the right guy, the guy reached a little bit, bang, sensational knockout. And then he could go do the promotional stuff. And, of course, it led to a lot of money. Is now Covington that guy? Is he that guy now, McGregor? I'm not saying he's not coming back. He's coming back from a horrible injury. So who knows if he ever get back? And who knows if he ever get back to that level, which is probably unlikely. And, th and that's me saying that you guys are the experts. But – is Covington now that guy? And is it his turn now to make the big money? He earned it. Is it his turn to make that special money in your sport? Not everybody makes it. And if he does, who's he got to fight to do that? I guess there's three parts to a challenge. Yeah, well, Teddy, I'll tell you. What's next for Colby is a very tough spot. Colby is clearly the number one contender. 
He is recognized by our official rankings. He is ranked number one. He's beaten everybody for sure. He's the number one contender. However, Colby is the only number one contender anywhere in the sport, any division, any gender, any promotion that cannot fight for the championship. Everybody else that's number one gets to fight for the championship. He's in a unique spot because he had that opportunity and he had it twice to go to a trilogy fight. Historically speaking, you got to split uh, the result of the first two. So he's in a very unique position. So Colby tried. Over the course of this media week, he said, I'm the number one contender. I'm going to take that golden ticket, and I'm going to cash it in at 185 pounds. I'm going to fight Adesanya. Dana White <laughs> literally laughed about it. He didn't even brush it off or say no. He broke into laughter. Colby heard that. No problem. The next time he has a microphone in his hand, he calls out Dustin Poirier. He's been calling out Usman uh, from day one. So in five days, Colby calls out three guys. He calls out Usman, Adesanya, and Poirier. And the one thing that those guys all have in common, they all have gold belts somewhere at home on top of the mantle that say world champion. These are tough, bad dudes. He is not looking to do anything easy, but he's a main event fighter. He's ranked number one. He's in this weird purgatory that until Usman drops the strap or retires, he doesn't even get to pursue his childhood dream of being a world champion. It's a very unique spot. And generally in our sport, you talk about Colby's popularity. I can tell you in the last four months, he sold out Madison Square Garden and he sold out T-Mobile and he gets credit for both of those because nobody did more media. In this sport, whatever you have is on the line. You got an undefeated record, it is on the line. If you got a belt, it is on the line. In this case, Masvidal brought popularity. Connor is the biggest star, as you said, Teddy, but George Masvidal is number two, followed by anybody with the last name of Diaz. Make no mistake. So Colby comes in and he beats uh, Masvidal. That's got to do something for Colby. But right now, he's got no opponent. He's asked for three. Everybody told him no. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Colby can't just keep being wrong. Then he's what does he do after that? He waits for somebody to call him out? Nobody can beat the son of a bitch. They don't want to fight him, even if it means main event status. Nobody's going to call him out. He's going to have to keep coming up with ideas. Is and us as a community, we can't keep telling him no. One of them has to be a yes. <laughs> I, t- I t- listen, I totally agree with everything Chill said. I will add, though, I, I did see a little bit of a turn uh, in a lot of people this this last fight week, even even in myself personally. I've wanted to hate Colby Covington for so long. He came at me a long time ago when I was getting ready to fight John Jones. I'll be honest with you. He hurt my damn feelings. It, 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 he For no reason. I wasn't even in his lane. He kind of came out of nowhere, and, and I had a little bit of media, and I was about to fight for a title, and he wanted some of it. So uh, I wanted to hate him for a long time, but I found myself at least listening to him. Uh, he says some crazy things. He goes way over the line. Um, but I don't think there's a lot of misinformation in some of the stuff that he says. It, either it's true or he believes it's true. And either way, it's, it, it sounds true to the people that are listening. So uh, I don't know what he changed. I don't know if it's just he's just been pushing himself, you know, ramming. We've just had Colby Covington's sound bites rammed down our throat for so long that maybe we're just getting used to it. But I did find myself maybe not having so much animosity towards him. Um, I'm not sure why that is, but I think that that's going to translate. I think that that's going to end up translating to his next contract negotiation. I think that with him taking out Masvidal, someone needs to replace him. There needs to be another person in that position. And the closest person is Colby Covington. We just gave superlatives to Covington. He earned them. He earned them. Um, if we just did that, how damn good is Usman? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, Bo Chao, you start with that. How good is Usman? Is he getting, as much as we respect him, is he getting what he deserves? Is he getting, I mean, he's the only guy to beat Covington. He beat him twice. And, I mean, I don't know who else could beat Covington. 
And I, I love your math because I do that too with Khabib. When I look at how good Poirier is, when I look at how good Gaethje is, and I got to remind myself they couldn't win a round together against Khabib. And I do do that same thing with Kamara, but Kamara is finally being recognized. Not only is the world champion, he is officially ranked currently the greatest pound-for-pound fighter in the world. He sits at the top of that list. That's over John Jones. That's over Shevchenko. That's over everyone. So at least he's getting that recognition. But yeah, when you watch how good Colby looked, Colby's not losing fights, guys. Colby's not even losing rounds unless he's in there with Kamar Usman. There is a gap right now. Kamara sits on top. The next best thing is Covington, but there is a gap within that division. Possibly Chimaev's the one to fill that gap, but until that happens, Colby Covington is still, even if he can't get the fight, he's still the number one contender. Who wins that Chimaev-Burns fight? Okay, so that's going to be uh, the 9th of April pay-per-view. I love that match. Right now, I'm leaning towards Chimaev, but I'm drunk on the excitement of Chimaev. No fighter's got the, the wind in his back quite like uh, Chimaev does. There's just something to be said for momentum. I got to watch him work out for the first time last week. All the rumors are true, but Gilbert Burns is a whole nother animal. Gilbert Burns will jump on any grenade as long as it's an opportunity that gets him closer to his goal, which is returning uh, to Kamar Usman. So these are the right guys to put in there right now. In fairness, I'm leaning towards Shamayev. And Anthony, follow up on, you didn't get a chance to follow up on what Shale did with uh, Usman. What do you, obviously, we know how great he is. Shale just uh, said it uh, right. from his voice. But from your voice, from your mind, I mean, again, Covington just showed himself to look like the the greatest thing since Coca Cola in in this uh, you know in this sport, and he's been beat twice solidly by Usman. You know how how good is Usman in your mind? Listen, the best thing for Kamara Usman right now. For his, for I guess if we're talking popularity and, and and kind of what the the masses think of him, the best thing for him right now is Colby Covington. That that those wins over him are aging very very nicely because Colby's only looking better and better. Um, and I and and I just think that if you can continue, if Colby continues to win, a win for Colby Covington right now is a win for Kamar Usman. And you've seen you've seen the business person in. Kamara Usman all week long when they, of course they want to bring him. you know, he's beat these guys in his last four fights, his last four title defenses. So, um, you, you've seen, you, you've seen Usman being a fence rider a little bit, not wanting to pick and choose and, and, and really give either one of them too much credit, but you did see him be willing to give Colby Covington another chance. Uh, he, he wasn't shutting down the chance for Colby Covington to fight a third time. I think that alone speaks to Colby Covington's drawing power because the one person who sees those pay-per-view buys, the one person who sees those dollars going into his account is Kamar Usman. And I think that when it comes down to it, it Kamar Usman is a businessman. And I think he speaks with his wallet. Uh, and I think his wallet likes Colby Covington. Hey, guys, if uh, first with you, Anthony, if Chemayev does beat Burns, Chemayev versus Colby, who do you like there? See, I'm, see, I'm, I'm having a tough time with this, this Chemayev thing. I've heard the horror stories about Chemayev. I've heard what, he, what he's done to Gustafson. Chael's watched him work out. There's a lot of guys that have seen him train. Darren Till sings his praises. I, I just haven't seen it for myself. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm not saying that he's not good. I've never seen him in there with a top 10 guy. I've never seen him dominate anyone that I respect completely at all. It's never happened. So I'm not saying he's not capable. I just don't know. So it, 
as analysts, I think it's a little bit voodoo for us to say that we don't know. But I think in this situation, it's fair. I don't know how good he is. I, I've seen him do what he's supposed to do uh, to some of those. If he's half as good as what people say, I've seen him do what he's supposed to do to the guys that he's fought. So I, I just want to see – I'm really excited to see him in there with Gilbert Burns. I want to see – if he can get over on a guy like Gilbert Burns, a guy who – you know, the, I guess the, the talk about Shemayev is that he's a fantastic grappler, that he, he's a fantastic wrestler. We've seen him in there with Jack Hermanson and, 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 and out-wrestle a, a larger – supposed supposed to have been a larger guy. He ended up not being in the, the wrestling match. But um, I think that his grappling and that fear of the grappling and wrestling, very similar to the Colby Covington-Jorge Masvidal situation, does open up his striking. I can promise you this, Gilbert Burns does not give one shit about Chimaev's grappling because he's going to, he's going to be right there with him the entire time. So if he can beat a guy like that, I, I, I think a Colby Covington fight is, is right there for him. But I think we, we gotta, we can't put the car before the horse here. I think, I think he's got to get through a guy like Gilbert Burns first. And there's, yeah. there's a fear in the unknown. And, and the mystery here does lie with Chimaev. We don't actually know. How's he going to do with adversity? Well, probably pretty well, but we've seen how Colby does with it. How's Chimaev going to do in championship rounds four and five? Probably pretty good, but we know how Colby's going to do with it. So I, I do think out of full respect, we do have to say that Covington is still the guy to beat. If you just look at styles and matchups, we've seen so little of Chemayev. We know he's got a good double leg, but we know Colby's never been taken down in a double leg. So it, it does tend to kind of equal themselves out, and I'm not really to give anybody that's only had two matches against unranked opponents the nod over the true number one contender, but in all fairness, that's probably the match. And Kamar Usman weighed on that about two hours ago. Dana White admitted comment that, that Chemaya versus Burns would be a number one contendership. Then the champ spoke up and he said, not so fast. This guy's got my attention. When I got to deal with them, I'll be ready for him. However, I need to see him beat two guys that are ranked within the top 10. That's fair. And if that does hold up and Chemayev gets uh, the bump on Gilbert, which he's favored to do, I think that does make the covington Chemayev match all that more likely and possibly only Colby's only route back to a Kamar Usman championship fight. Let me throw this in there because we're talking about the right guy. We're talking about the top guys. We're talking about the guys that won. We're talking about Covington. All right. But let me ask about Masvidal. 37 years old, made a lot of money in the last couple of years. You know, he had that first fight with Usman where he had Dana White over barrel a little bit where the opponent fell out because of COVID at the last minute. They needed a big name. Uh, He was able to get a pretty damn good number from what we all understand. Rightfully so. You guys should make all the money in the world when you guys get in the ring and there's a chance you don't come out of that octagon. Definitely the same as you went in. So you can't get enough money. That's just the way I feel. And I feel the same way in my sport about the boxes. But here he is, Masvidal. He's lost two fights in a row, uh, convincingly. He's 37 years old. He's made a lot of money. Where's he going from here? And before I leave it to start with you, Chell, I thought, and if, tell me if I'm wrong, I thought that there was a lot of guys he could still beat, that, you know, he was good enough, but there's certain guys he probably can't. But there's a lot of good fights out or fights out there that he can still win. I didn't feel like it's the end of the line, off the, you know, off the cliff. That that's it. I, I didn't feel that way. I just felt that he was in there with a guy who's special. Your feelings. 
One of the greatest things that Dana White has ever done, and I've never heard him get credit for it. We'll give it to him now. But one of the great things that he ever did is within our sport, he made losing acceptable. In the sport of boxing, if you lose a fight, you're not going to be a main event. If you lose three fights, you'll never fight for a championship. If you lose five fights, you are a bum. And that is how they'll remember you. In this sport, the one thing that Colby and Masvidal had in front of their sold-out main event spot of Team Oliver Arena, they both were coming off losses. In all fairness, the biggest star in our sports, Conor McGregor, I've lost track of how many losses he's had in a row. The second is George Monsvall. He's lost three in a row. And the third is Nate Diaz, who's batting 500. In all fairness, in MMA, for whatever reason, but it's a very good thing, when iron is on iron, when we know guys are risking it and guys are only taking on the best, it's okay if they come in second. And I really think as far as Masvidal goes, being the sport's second biggest draw, to put him in there with Conor McGregor, who's the sport's biggest draw, makes all the sense in the world. I even think I've got the weekend. Let's do it in July at International Fight Week. I love and I that think fight. I'm real wow. close. Wow. I think I'm, I'm real close. Maybe you insert uh, Nate Diaz in there, but I, I think we're down to those final three who's going to headline that show. I think Masvidal's got great options. And don't forget, with his new lucrative contract, all that contract and all that money means is he will be returning to a main event, which means he needs to get himself in five-round shape, and he can start right now. Well, and I think he needs to get himself into a, a little bit of controversy. That's kind of the weird spot that Masvidal is in. It, he can still beat a lot of guys in the division. He absolutely can. But it's got to matter. For the paycheck that he's getting, the UFC is not going to – they're not just going to stick him in the queue and, and start fighting people that nobody knows. It's going to be big names. They're going to be tough fights. Uh, and I'm going to steal one of Chael's ideas from the weekend. I – I like him in there with the Diaz brother, but I think Nick Diaz is probably the bigger draw right now. I don't necessarily know if that's the the, the route that anybody's going to go, but the, that's got a built-in storyline. That fight builds itself. He already beat Nick's little brother. Uh, you know Masvidal is going to rub that in his face as many times as he possibly can. Um, I would have never thought about that. Chill brought it up over the weekend. I thought it was a fantastic idea, but those are the kind of storylines and fights that Masvidal is going to have to be in because he's got to justify that big paycheck he's getting. Chill, you think that they'll put Nick in? I thought that Nick in his last fight looked like he couldn't have cared less, like he didn't want to be there. I, well, I, I was, like, shocked at the performance. And even worse than that is the reason Nick looked that way is because he had a long layoff. So our prediction, Anthony and I were both in agreement here that Nick's going to get a quick turnaround. It's been the opposite. Nick has been radio silent. Dana weighed in at one time. It was about two months ago. And Dana said, and I quote, I don't know if Nick Diaz is ever going to fight again. Generally, if you're Nick or you're Nick's manager or trainer, you come out and you stop that narrative. You say, yes, we are. But Nick lived with it. He went very quiet. So I do think that's a tough one. I think that's a massive fight. I think it makes sense. And I think the fans were, uh, would get behind it. I don't know that I'm bullish that it's going to happen. And Masvidal is in a very unique spot. And it's only Masvidal and Connor and Nate Diaz that live in this little island that does not matter who they fight next. In boxing, they say the only two guys that could draw on their own was Mike Tyson and Oscar De La Hoya. I think you need to amend that list and add Floyd Mayweather to it. But in all fairness, in our sports, pretty much the same, unless you're Connor, unless you're Masvidal, unless you're Nate Diaz. It turns out they're all in the same weight class. Let's start getting those matchups going and start having a lot of fun over here in the world of MMA. I think they're going to make Nate and Connor, uh, Nate, Nate and Dustin. I'm hearing that rumor too. That could be. Let me just go off track a little bit here. Maybe it's more than a little bit. I don't know. Um, what do you think about Enganyu and Fury? And and before I let you go, Chael, uh, I is it just the money grab? And you guys deserve, I just said it, you deserve to make all the money in the world uh, for getting in there. But this is these are unique opportunities to make more money than is normally available in your sport. And 
and even normally available maybe in my sport, in boxing. That's, that's what happens. That's the kind of universal money that winds up being available. Is it just about that? Because to me, it, it's a fallacy. It's a mirage that you're going to really judge who's better. The old, you know, that old question, the MMA fighter or the boxer. Because the MMA fighter, you guys, you're not allowed to use all your tools. So to me, it's it's a cheat. It's not fair. It's all about the money. And I just wonder how you guys feel about it. And one last thing. Does it hurt your pride? Because you guys are just, you know, the epitome of what it's about to be proud and tough and just, you know, great at what you do. Uh, does it hurt your pride a little bit that people, some people will look at, the matchups and say, oh, yeah, the box is better. When, again, in truth, it's not a fair matchup. Look, I, I, it frustrates me anytime somebody doesn't defend their sport fully. If Fury wants to fight Francis, Francis should demand it's under MMA rules. If Francis wants to fight Fury, Fury should back up boxing and demand it's under boxing rules. These two knuckleheads want to come up with a sport all of their own. <laughs> they want to do it in four-ounce gloves or maybe put it in a case. Look, if you change one rule, you have now changed the sport. Fury has gone as far as and these Fury and Francis are a lot of great things. They're tough and they're intimidating. They're champions. They are not promoters. These two knuckleheads could put their heads together and form a rock pile. Here's what Fury said as recently <laughs> as seven days ago. I am going to retire from boxing. I am then going to go do something with Francis Ngannou. Well, look, then it doesn't matter. If you're not willing to risk it, you can't get any emotion from the crowd. The opposite of, of hate is not love. The opposite is indifference. As soon as that girl's still mad at you, you got a chance. Once she doesn't care anymore, you got to move on. So if Fury's telling us this That's will not brilliant. be under boxing, so I'm not putting my record on the line. I'm not putting my belts on the line. I'm not putting anything of my family's lineage of three different generations on the line. We're going to go do something different. Those sons of bitches might as well arm wrestle. It's got to be <laughs> one of the two sports. Are you fighting in these rules? Are you fighting in these rules? You two think you're going to make up a sport after you retire so it doesn't go on your record that means you don't care if you don't care you're not sacrificing i'm not showing up well i think they i, I, I to be fair i think that they know if fury comes to mma he's going to get smoked if Nganu goes to boxing he's going to get smoked and neither one of those guys are willing to to do that they're just not they're not they're not willing to get beat at their own game and they're not willing to to, to give up what they already have i do i it does hurt my ego a little bit when you hear other people say well, this boxer is better than that guy or this, you know, they're better than you. It, it's, it's as close to me as if saying that uh, is this baseball player better than that football player, just because in both sports you run. It's different. It, it, it's two completely different sports. And it, just because some of it looks the same and we don't have a shirt on in both of them uh, it doesn't change anything for me. It's two completely different sports. And, and that's been very clear when you see some MMA fighters go box. It, it's very different when you see the, the couple times we've had, High level boxers come over to MMA. It never used to, it never tends to go very well. So I, sometimes I just wish that we could just go our own direction and just, and just exist in our own parallels and not have to always pretend like everybody wants to cross paths. Because I'll tell you this if it wasn't for the big old fat paychecks, you'd never catch me in a boxing ring. That's, <laughs> and, and I don't think that you would find boxers that are going to come fight in the, in the octagon unless there was a big paycheck involved. I remember James Tony got in there with Randy Couture. <laughs> that took a lot. I thought that took a lot of guts for him to do that. It was like walking well, it's into the only uh, low single that's ever been attempted <laughs> or finished in UFC history ever. And it, it, listen, and James Tony would never do that if it wasn't for the big check that was attached to it. 
For sure. Hey, Chill, one of the things that I really love that you always drive home to the fighters is if you don't care, we don't care. After the fight, when people ask them to call someone out, every time they go, Joe's like, what do you want next? Or whoever's in the ring, I think about you saying, if when they say, I don't care, give me anyone, I'm like, oh, Chill's rolling over right now. He's pissed. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, listen, I know what the message is. Hey, who do you want to fight next? I'll fight anyone. I don't care. I get the message. I'm so good and I'm so brave. I'll take on anybody. But that's not what you said. You said you don't care. So if that match gets made and you try to manufacture conflict after a bout agreement is signed, the audience is going to see right through it. If you don't care who you're fighting, the audience can't care who you're fighting. And I got to equate that back to Fury. Fury saying, I'm going to leave boxing, but then I'm going to fight. So wait a second. So you don't care about your boxing records. Your pops was a boxer. Your little brother's a boxer. You live in a gym. You're not willing to put that on the line against Francis. You just want all of our money. And I'll tell you another thing. I love the Francis story, and I do admire the success of Francis Ngannou, but he is getting some very bad advice. If he thinks Francis Ngannou, those two little words on a bout agreement, is worth $100 million, he's wrong. I neither was Conor McGregor versus Floyd. Conor McGregor, $100 million came from being a two-time simultaneous UF champion with the greatest carnival balker in the business, Dana White, in his quarter. That's what got you paid. If Francis thinks he's going to leave the UFC, no longer be the champion, and no longer have the pulpit of Dana White, they're not going to sell any tickets. This is a big mistake. To use Teddy's words, this is a mirage. Listen, it couldn't be better put or better, you know, broken down than the way both of you guys just did. If if there was one sitting there in your seats right now, if there was one fight for yourselves, and what you think obviously would cross over for the audience, one fight in your business in the UFC right now that could be made, what would that fight be? All right, Anthony, I'll jump on this one first because I think we've already covered it. But I do believe the single biggest fight, if you want to get the world's attention and really have some fun, we don't get to use that word very often in the fight game. This is serious. This is intense, high stakes fun. If you really want to have some fun, you just get Conor McGregor and you put him in there with George Mosdall. You put the BMF title on the line. You pick the arena. We will sell that out in 24 hours. I think it's brilliant. You said that earlier. You're right. I wanted to, I just wanted to, make it really crystal clear because when you said that it became so obvious <laughs> really I, I mean you're brilliant with it but it didn't even seem brilliant it just seemed like yeah yeah that, yeah. that makes sense yeah and if that's not the fight you know just to give another one um I, th- I think that the the 155 division and the 170 division are, are super hot right now. But I think the, the one that's kind of lost a little bit of its steam, but I think would explode if it got booked. I know he's he, there's some red tape going on. I think both of them got some issues. They got contract stuff with the UFC. But I think John Jones versus Francis Ngannou at heavyweight uh, is is another big fight that could wow. be made. I I think that John is kind of shooting himself in the foot. Uh, he, he was going to heavyweight and then he just, he's hanging out, he's lifting weights and then he's headbutting cop cars. And, you know, so (laughs) he's got some issues, but he needs to get in there and fight. That's what he needs to do. And uh, I think that's another big fight we can make. Because you, just what you said, you, you touched on everything that matters, but he just has to get in there and fight with all this time that has gone by with all his issues and everything. And he's one of the greats. Some people think the greatest of all time, but does does he want to fight or does he just, and please, the people out there, don't take this the wrong way, but does he just want to stay relevant every once in a while by talking about fighting? Well, I, th- I think those two things are connected, Teddy. I think that 
in order for John Jones to be happy right now, he has to fight, or at least he has to have people talking about him fighting. That's, that's kind of John's seemingly that's John's whole connection to who he is as a person. It's his everything. It's how he values himself. Uh, without that, I don't know what John Jones is and I don't know how he feels about himself. So I, I, I think he wants to fight because of everything that's connected to fighting. Uh, John Jones doesn't need the money. He doesn't need any more, any more tallies in the win column for anyone to say that he's the greatest of all time. Uh, you got two guys sitting right here that dislike him that will still say it every single time they're asked. Um, so he doesn't need any more wins to do that. But what John does need is people talking about him and he needs people to pump his ego. He can't do that unless he fights. Jail. I've been very into the John Jones experiment. The fact that he took his oars out of the water, gave the 205-pound belt back. Now, physically, I think John could have won the heavyweight championship, even weighing 205. But mentally, he needed to be bigger. He made that very clear. So he he quits doing all the cardio. He starts lifting the weights and drinking the protein. He let us follow along on Instagram. He said from Jump Street, I want to weigh 240 pounds. That was an arbitrary number, but mentally, that's what he thought he needed to weigh. So I was very up for this. Look, we don't get better as human beings over time, and we don't get better at something by not doing it. But if John Jones came down a little bit, that's the only way you're going to level that playing field, not to mention changing his physiology. I want to see it. Now, John has gone very quiet as of late. Steve Miocic has gone very quiet as of late. That's the fight to make. The only question is, do we do it for an interim belt or we take the undisputed thing off Francis and we just make this an undisputed? Generally, when fighters go quiet, you can put your detective cat on. That means the fight is done and that the UFC is just getting ready to announce it. So I tend to lend into that category. But Steve Miocic, who lost to Francis Ngannou, came out of that fight and said, I'm putting on 20 pounds of muscle. I called Steve. His wife answered, but she told me he put on the 20 pounds. I said, well, what kind of 20 pounds? How does she look? He said, no, he put it on the right way. So Stipe at 255 versus John Jones at 240. When this whole experiment for John is about taking on a bigger guy, the story still works. That fight is going to draw. I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I've never had Stipe turn down an interview for me. Anytime I've asked to talk to him, he, he he's, he's come on, he's done it. Uh, and, and I've the last three, the last three times he's told me no. So I don't know. Maybe that's to chill's point. Maybe uh, who knows? Maybe he's busy, but I, I think chill makes a valid point there. I haven't seen a whole lot out of John Jones and Stipe won't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, unless Ken has something else, I want to thank you guys because you, you not only gave us the time, but you made us better, really. And um, I'm not afraid to put my pride aside a little bit, uh, you know, and you did. You made our show better. And when I was jesting a little bit at the beginning, saying, finally, for our audience, we have the right guys to break down an MMA fight, a UFC fight. I wasn't jesting, really. I was telling the truth. You you made our show so good. You did an incredible job bringing light to the fight and bringing not only to the fight Saturday night between Masvidal and Covington, but to the sport in general and to a lot of topics in the sport. I think you're going to laugh. This episode should get a million. <laughs> it, should get a, it should. It deserves a million because of you guys. That's how informative you are. That's how brilliant you are. Um, that's how honest you are. That's just how damn good you are. And and I hope it does because it deserves it because of you guys. And I'm going to blow the cover a little bit on Chell, the way he did on Covington a little bit. Uh, he's not a bad guy. He's a hell of a special guy. And, and Anthony Smith, 
as good as you think that he is, he's even better as a human being. They, they both are. And I said it to you in person, I'll say it here, that your real core value, your real core strengths, both of you, I know how great you were, you know, as MMA, UFC fighters, and you're both great. But your real greatness is as human beings, as people. That's your core strength. You guys have character. Uh, we talk about that word. Sometimes we overuse that word. Sometimes we don't even understand what the damn that word means. But I understand what it means. And um, I'm looking at two people who exemplify what it means. Thank you, guys, from the bottom of my heart. And I, I'm going to go out one last little bit. Thank you from our audience, because I know that our audience is going to say the same thing. That was beautiful. Thank you very much, Teddy. Please have us back and hello to that audience. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, Teddy. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad that we got to do this. Finally, we've been talking about doing one. So I appreciate you, man. And uh, yeah, hello to your audience as well. Hopefully see you guys again soon. Thank you. Thank you, fellas.